We have been going through this series, Deeper Friendship, talking about what does it look like to help each other through life. And we're talking about this. This is our final week in that because we need help through life. And we need the kinds of friends that will help us through life. We need those kinds of friends in our lives. It's great to have friends to hang out with and, and have potlucks with and, and go hiking with and go camping with. That's great. I mean, we want that for you. We want you to be able to experience that. But there's a deeper friendship that we want you to be able to know. There's a deeper friendship that we want you to be able to experience because we need help through life. If you think about it, I know it's true for me, but, but there's been many times in our lives where there's things that we know. We go, man, I, I need to change this in my life, whatever that might be. I need, to, I need to change this in my life. There's certain behaviors I need to change, or there's certain emotions that, man, I, they're just gripping in my heart, and whether that's anxiety or worry or fear, or, or maybe it's things in your faith of, man, I need, I need change to actually take place in my life. And there's things we know, but it doesn't always come out into what we do. And there's insights that we have, whether that's from a sermon or maybe talking with a friend or a community group. There's insights we have awareness that we have of, wow, here's places in my life where, man, I really need to grow to be a more a servant-hearted person, or I need to be more patient. There's insights that we get that don't necessarily lead to actual change working itself out in our life. And there's things that we know what to do. Man, I need to grow in being a more patient husband or being a more uh, loving father or whatever that might be. There's things that you go, man, I, I, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't actually know how to do it. I don't know how to get change worked into the details of my life. You, you may have learned things, but that doesn't necessarily lead to actual practical application and change in our lives. And so this is often where we find ourselves, where we go, man, I, I, I need help. And if we're honest, we need help because we find ourselves a lot of times with a lot of information and a lot of insight and a lot of awareness and a lot of good ideas and a lot of good um, intentions and a lot of good commitments, but not necessarily having that work itself out into the details of our lives so that there is actually change, actually change that begins to happen. And this is what God wants for us. God wants more for our lives than just a continual barrage of information and awareness and insight and commitments. And He wants more for us than that. He wants us to actually be able to experience change, to grow, to be more loving and joyful and patient and caring and servant-hearted and, and all the different ways that we desire to grow. God desires that our lives would actually change. And in order for that to happen, what we've been talking about the last several weeks is that we need deeper friendship. We need people that will actually help us through life. We need deeper friends that will actually help us live out changes in our lives and actually help us know how to live out changes in our lives. So this is the kind of friendship we need. And if we want to be those kind of friends, if you and I want to be the kind of friends that actually help each other through life, if we want to be those kind of friends, and what do we need? How do we do that if we want to become those kind of friends? And so we're going to talk about three different things that we need if we want to be those kind of friends, the kind of thoughts that we need to think and the kind of things that we need to do and the kind of heart that we need to have. So that's kind of where we are going. So let's begin with this. Just simply, what thoughts do we need? If we want to be the kind of friends that actually help each other through life, 
that actually help one another take the insights and ideas and commitments and awareness and good intentions and, and what and actually have that work itself out into practical change? What kind of thoughts do we need to be those kind of friends? And we're going to look at this verse in Hebrews where he tells us how our thoughts have to begin. And, and here's what it says. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. I love how he kind of just calls people out. It's like, hint, hint. Let's not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, here's the word he uses that gets out. What are the kind of thoughts that we need? He says, consider how to stir up one another. Consider. If you think about that word, to consider something, that, what, what, what does that mean? I mean, it's this thoughtful planning, intention, kind of mulling something over. Maybe, you're, maybe you are new to the city and you're looking at houses or you're, you're thinking about purchasing a home or, or where you're going to live and you go and you consider different places, right? You don't just walk into one place and go, okay, this is the one. You go, okay, I'm going to, maybe you do if it was amazing and it was free, but you go, okay, I'm going to consider, I need to consider the different options I have. Maybe you're looking for a job or, or there's different job offers that you have and you go, okay, I'm going to consider these different offers. They, they may offer you the job and you say, okay, I'll, I'll consider it, which means I'll think about it. I'll look at the details of it. I'll look at the pay. I'll look at the, the hours. I'll look at the benefits. I'm going to consider it. I'm going to mull it over. I'm going to think about it or if you're dating and, and you've got somebody that wants to date you and you say, I'll consider it, which usually means no. So if somebody <laughs> told you that, they mean no. So that's not exactly what this one means. But they want you to think what they mean is I'll mull it over and I'll compare it to other people. But they mean no. Um, so if you have heard that, that one doesn't actually apply. But, but to consider means I'm going to mull it over. I'm going to think about it. And we do this with a lot of things in our life, right? There's a lot of things that we consider, that we consider, that we take thought to think about. And he's using this word, which is really this careful thought and careful planning and careful intention of mulling something over. I know right now my wife and I uh, are adopting two kids from Costa Rica. We'll be going there uh, shortly. And there's so many things. I mean, if, you, if you've had children or if you've adopted or anything in that way, you know there's so many things to think about. You go, to, okay, so how, what are we going to do with their room? And when we get them over here, how, what are we going to do for school? And when we, when we get them over here, what are we going to do? What, what do they like to eat? And what are they, they're older kids. And what do they like to do? And who are their friends going to be? And there's so much stuff to consider. We had our first conversation with them on Monday over Skype. And even just that, it's like, okay, so what are we going to say, and how are we going to talk to them? And, and they speak Spanish, and we don't speak Spanish. Um, we speak Chinese, and we, uh, no, we speak English, I think. And uh, we, we're like, okay, how, what are we actually going to say to them? How are we going to talk to them? Because it's kind of, I mean, that's like the first time we meet them, which is kind of awkward, right? It's kind of like dating a little bit, where you're like, okay, it's, there's those two, and then it's us, and... And, but it's like dating a little bit. We're just kind of, what are we going to say? What questions am I going to ask? And, you know, they give you like a list of questions of, hey, ask them what's their favorite color. Or ask them what do they like to play with? And, you know, stuff like that that you would think you would ask a kid. But it's still, it's like, okay, how, how are we going to talk with them? Because it's kind of weird to just be like, hi, what's your favorite color? You know, that's a little weird. And so it's like how we're considering and talking about. We spent time considering and planning and what are, what are we going to talk about? 
So that is careful thought. That's intention. That's planning. That's mulling it over. And here's what he says. If we want to be friends that help each other through life, he says, consider, consider how to stir one another up towards love and good deeds. Consider. And this is very different from how often we think because we often think in America, it's not our right to tell anybody else how they should live. Don't we think that? It's not our right to tell anybody else how they should live. Or we may even say in Christian language that, hey, that's between them and God. Or, hey, only God can judge. Or we have this idea that your life is your life and my life is my life and your life is between you and God and who am I to tell anybody else anything about their life? And he says, no, that's not true at all. He says exactly the opposite. He says, we are actually responsible for one another. You and me, we are responsible for one another, he says. Con, con, don't just consider how you grow. Now, that's important in and of itself. Of, man, we should be thinking about our own lives. I mean, how can I grow and how can I change and how can I follow Jesus and, and what's the, how can I love people better? We should be thinking about that ourselves. But he says, actually, it's even further than that. You're not even just responsible for your own spiritual growth. You're not even just responsible for your own love. You're not even just responsible for your own faith. He says, we are responsible for one another. Consider, think, mull over, have intention, plan, like all the other areas we do that in our lives with jobs and houses and kids. Consider how to stir one another up toward love. And good works. What kind of thoughts do we need if we're going to be the kind of friends that help one another actually take the ideas and the intentions and the insights and the awareness and the commitments and actually move it into change in our lives? He says, here's the kind of friends we have to be. We have to be the kind of friends that consider, that consider how we can help our friends grow, that consider how we can help our friends have more loving lives that consider how we can help our friends have lives that are filled with doing good in the way that God would call us to do. See, I love this because you know what this means? It means God loves us so much. God loves us so much that he doesn't leave us to our own selves, but he puts a community around us and says, I want you to actually be in a community that takes responsibility for you. I want you to be in a community with people that say, I'm not just thinking about how I can grow and how I can change, but God says, I want you to be in a community where you have people around you that take you as their responsibility. God loves us that much that he would design it in that way. And here's what that means. The thoughts that we have, it means we look at each other's lives and we say, how can I I help you? How can I help you live the more loving life that God desires for you? How does God want change in your life? And how can I stir you up towards that? He uses that words of stir up, which is kind of this language usually used negatively of basically a rough translation would be pushing someone's buttons. And usually we use that negatively, right? If you had a a sibling, a younger sibling or an older sibling that just knew how to annoy you. My older brother used to grind his teeth which is disgusting and awful and horrible if you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> it's awful. And, but he knew it bothered me, so he would like follow me around the house when like, I'd wake up and be like, I'm leaving, I'm going to go sleep in another room. This is when we're kids. And he would follow me in there just to bother me, just to push my buttons, to stir me up towards hatred and annoyance and murder. And, 
That's what he was doing. And, but he says this. He says, stir one another up. Push each other's buttons in a positive way towards love and good deeds. He says, consider how you can do that. See, what if we looked at each other's lives and said, how can I, how can I help them? How can I help them grow in love? How can I help them have a have fruit in their life of the good things that God wants to do through them? How can I stir them towards that? Not just tell them to do it, but how can I stir them to that? How can I push the right buttons so that their hearts desire to follow Jesus and grow and change? And he says, Here, you've got to think like this. This is taking responsibility, not just for ourselves, but it's taking responsibility for one another. And saying, I, I'm going to think. I'm going to put consideration into how I can stir you up, how I can help you. Don't, I mean, I know that's kind of scary, but also, wouldn't you want that? Wouldn't you want someone in your life that says, I'm thinking about how to help you become who God's calling you to be? I mean, what if we actually had people like that in our lives that said, yeah, I'm making a lot of plans. I'm making plans for my camping trip, and I'm making plans for you know, this new business I'm starting, and I'm making plans how to help you become who God's calling you to be. That might at first kind of be like, oh, that's weird, but wouldn't we want people like that in our life that are actually going, I'm considering how to stir you towards love and good deeds. This is important. This is the kind of friendship that God calls us to, and if our friends are going to change and actually be able to have change happen in their lives. It takes us being these kind of friends. This is also important, just by the way, we're talking about friendship, but this is important, man, for, for you parents. You desire your kids to have love in their life and desire for them to have good deeds in their life. It starts with considering, going, how can I help them? How can I push the right buttons so that they're stirred up towards love? And, and he also says this, which is an important reminder. He says, don't neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but, but do this every day. See, to have those kind of careful thoughts, to have that kind of consideration where we are actually saying, man, I know the areas that there needs to be change. I know the areas where you need to grow in love. In order to do that, it takes interaction where we're around each other frequently, right? That's why he says, don't neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but to continue to do this every day. Because you can't really have that kind of consideration if you see somebody once a year and you're like, hey, I've been thinking since last year some ways that I want to help you grow. It doesn't really work, right? So he says, don't forget to meet together. Don't neglect to be with one another. This is why for us, community is so important that we, we don't just want Sundays for people. We want people to have a community where you're able to experience people that really know you and know the areas where God is leading you to grow. So he says, this is where it begins. It begins with this kind of ownership. But it's not just thoughts that we need. It's also actions. What kind of actions do we need if, if we want to become the kind of friends that help one another through life? If we want to become the kind of friends that help take good ideas and good intentions and move those into actually working themselves out into our lives so there's real change, there's certain kind of thoughts we have to have where we take ownership. And I'm not just considering my own growth. I'm considering yours. But also actions. And for this, we're going to look at a passage in Galatians that Paul talks about, and we'll look at this for the next two things we talk about. And here's, here's what Paul says in his letter to the church in Galatia. He says, Brothers, 
if anyone is caught in any transgression, any sin, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, that just means though before this he's talking about the fruit of the Spirit and he's talking about walking in the Spirit, which just means that we are people that are listening to God and we're letting our hearts be changed by Him and we're allowing God, the Holy Spirit, who indwells us to work uh, himself into our lives, into love and joy and peace. So it's not like this special category of Christian. It's just those that are actually listening and following the Spirit's leading in their life. Brothers, if any of you is caught in any transgression, any sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And, and here's what he says. There's there's some people that are caught in sin. Some people that are caught, that are stuck in sin. And maybe you feel this way. There's areas that you look at and you go, I want to grow here. I want to be more patient, but I, I struggle so badly. I want to love my wife better, but I, I just always find myself selfish. I want to stop lusting, but I can't stop. I want to be able to be the kind of friend that is even the kind of friend we're talking about that loves people and cares for people, but I find myself wanting to isolate so badly and just protect myself. He says, look, if anyone is caught, which describes the experience probably of a lot of people, and say, I'm stuck here. I can't get out of this. He says, if anyone is caught in sin, you feel stuck. You feel it's hard to get out. You want to change, and, and you don't know how. You want to change, but you're caught. You're stuck. He says, if anyone's caught, he says, here's the actions that we need to take. Bear one another's burdens. Now, the Bible talks a lot about bearing burdens in relation to, hey, if you need help moving, someone helps you move. If, if, you, if you're sick, somebody comes and helps you. When you're, the Bible doesn't say if you need help moving, but it just uses the language of saying, hey, when you have needs and people bear your burdens by serving you. But this is a different kind of bearing burdens because he's talking about sin. He says when he's not talking about meeting needs, he's saying some of you are stuck, some of you are caught in sin. And the actions that need to be taken by the friends around you, the actions that we need to take is to bear one another's burdens. To bear one another's burdens. And here's what that means. It, it means this. It means that we don't look at one another and just wish that they would change. We don't look at our friends and go, man, I wish you'd be more loving. I wish you'd be more caring. We don't just see the different areas in our friends or spouses or children's life. We don't just see the areas and go, man, they're selfish. I really wish that would stop. Man, they're so, uh, they talk about themselves so much. I wish that that would stop. Man, they're so lazy. I wish that that would stop. Man, they keep making destructive decisions in their life, and I wish that they would stop. It means we don't just wish change. But to bear one another's burdens is you see where change is needed. You see where someone is caught. You see where someone is stuck. And you say, I'm going to help. I'm going to bear the burdens of sin that you are experiencing. Here's what that means. This can mean all sorts of things. But let's say you've got a friend and, 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 and they are caught in sin where they are not loving their wife. They're not loving their wife well. They're very selfish. And you look at their marriage and you go, man, this is, this is not good. It means this. You don't just say, 
hey, you're caught in sin. You're stuck in sin. I hope you will change. Maybe it means, and this is just one example, you say, can I watch your kids to help you and your wife be able to have time together? See, if somebody's caught in sin, to bear the burden of that sin that's weighing them down is to say, how can I help you get out of this sin? Maybe there's somebody that's overworking. They're just putting in tons and tons and tons of hours at work, which is leading to all sorts of other stuff. They're not there for their family, or, or they're super stressed out and burdened, or because they're stressed out and burdened, they get home and all they want to do is drink, or they get home and all they want to do is look at porn, or, or they don't have time for community, or whatever it is, but they're, they're stressed out and they're overworked, and they're working, 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 and maybe the reason is because they've got a ton of debt. So to bear the burden of that sin is to say, how can I actually help pay your bills? So that I don't just say, I wish that you would change all these sinful patterns that you're stuck in, but it says, how can I help bear the burden? Or I've talked to people that would say, man, I'm in, I keep finding myself in bad relationships. I keep finding myself in relationships that I know I shouldn't be in. I'm talking about dating relationships. I keep finding myself in relationships with men that I know I shouldn't be in. I keep finding myself with women that I know I shouldn't be in relationship with, but I'm lonely caught they're stuck and part of bearing the burden as a community is to say you don't you don't have to be lonely let me bear the burden of that sin by opening up my life more to you and saying come have dinner with me and come hang out with me and and let me let me offer you more of the intimacy that you are longing for that you keep finding in sin and then getting caught and stuck in see to bear one another's burdens means we don't just wish for change it means we help we say i see you're caught I see you're stuck. Let me help bear some of the load. Let me help take some of it on myself. It means that some of the weight falls on us. And I just gave a few examples. I mean, it can apply to all sorts of things. Where do you see friends caught in sin? And you say, I wish they would change. And instead of wishing for change, she says, here's the actions that we need. We need to bear one another's burdens. We need to let some of the weight fall on us. Let some of the burden fall on us. When my wife and I moved out here, we put most of what we had in a trailer to tow it from Seattle to Denver. And uh, I never towed anything before, so I felt pretty incompetent and felt also kind of manly. So it's kind of a mix of feeling stupid and feeling, which, you know, that's kind of what happened. But what I learned about trailers, and if you are more manly than me, I might sound like an idiot as I talk, but as I, what I learned about trailers was this, is you, you have to have the weight distributed. My instinct would just be cram as much of everything as you can and just push it in there, but what would happen if that takes place is the trailer would not be able to balance the weight and it would veer off into destruction and we would have died and <laughs> it would have been bad. Um, and so with that fear in mind, it was you've got to share the weight in different places, that the burden has to be shared by different parts of the trailer. The burden has to be balanced. If just one part of the trailer is bearing all the weight, it will veer off course into destruction and death and heaven, hopefully. But if not, if not, you've got to be able to evenly distribute the weight. So here's, here's what that means. We are a trailer. 
you might not have thought of yourself coming in here like that. But we are a trailer. The church is a trailer where there's weight, where there's load, where there's burden. And some of us are caught in sin. And some of us will be caught in sin at some point in life. And part of what the church is is a place where God doesn't just say, figure that out. Hold, you've got to power through. You've got to make it through. You need to change. But he says, I give you a community. I give you a community like a trailer where the weight can be evenly distributed so that other people are actually holding up the burden of what you're going through and able to help you change so that you go on course and don't veer off course. Sin is heavy. Sin weighs, and it's hard to get out of. And what Paul says here is, here's the actions that friends need to take. The actions that good friends take, the actions that good friends take is they bear your burden. They bear your burden. They don't just wish away your burden. They don't just say, hey, you've got a burden. You better deal with that. They bear it. They allow some of the weight to fall on themselves. You know you're doing that when stuff starts. I was talking to someone recently that was saying, man, as I'm engaging more and more with my friends and trying to be a good friend, it, it, I, I'm burdened by this. I said, that's good. That means you're actually being a good friend. Because what that means is you're saying some of their weight is starting to come onto me. And what that means is some of their weight is being relieved from them. Because what a friend does is say, I'm going to bear some of the weight of time, of money, of prayer, of emotional hurt. I'm going to bear some of that weight so that sin doesn't weigh you down and crush you so that you actually are able to change. And I know we're Americans. We pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we think, man, even faith, it's this independent, I need to power through and I need to grow and I need to learn and I need to change. And Paul says, no, what you need is people to help you bear your burden, to bear your weight, which takes time. Change is slow. Now, you know this for yourself. I know it for me. Change doesn't happen quickly. Change is slow. If we're going to be the kind of friends that help each other bear burdens, that often is a long-term commitment. That isn't just, hey, I'll help you once. Because insight, commitment, awareness, knowing what needs to happen, that comes easy. But change takes a long time. And so we have to be the kind of friends that take actions that say, I'm going to commit to being in your life and helping bear some of the weight that is on you. He says, this is the kind of actions that we need to take. God doesn't want us crushed under the weight of our sin. He wants to lift our burdens. Here's what this means also for not how the friend that you can be, but maybe you're somebody in this situation. Maybe you're somebody that finds yourself and you're caught. You're stuck in sin. And part of what this means is you may need to stop praying that God helps you and start taking the help that he's given. And I don't really mean stop praying, but what I mean is sometimes you're caught in sin, sometimes you're stuck in sin, and it's, God, would you help me get out of this? I don't know how to change. I, this is weighing down on me. God, I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how. I don't, help, 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 help. 
And God says, here's the resources I've provided. It's a community that will lift that burden. It's like a guy in a gym or a gal in a gym who's you know, under the bench press and it's on down and she's, God, please help pull this up off of me. And there's other people around. And God would say, hey, ask the spotter to pick it up. It's been a while since I've been in the gym. I don't know. You know ask that dude in the shorts that's taking a selfie. He'll help you, you know. <laughs> we all need a friend in shorts taking selfies. <laughs> or not, actually. <laughs> um, so, but that's, sometimes we, we get so stuck in, help me, God, help me, God, help me, God, help me. God says, here's part. Here's part of how I help you. I give you a community to lift up the burdens from you. So if you're the person, if you're not the friend, but you're the person stuck in sin, caught in sin, and you, you're struggling and you're praying and you feel like, man, I've done everything I can do. I've asked God a thousand times for help. God says, okay, I'm glad you've asked for help and I've given you a community to help lift the weight. So if that's you and you're in a community group, share that with your group. If you're not, get in a community group and share with your community group and say, hey, I need help. I'm caught. I'm stuck. I need you to help lift this burden off of me. That's what God desires for us. He doesn't want just people around us saying, stop, you're stuck. Stop, you're caught in sin. He wants to put people around us that actually care for us to lift our burden. Without this, we're stuck. So these are the actions that we need, but what heart do we need? We need thoughts. We need thoughts that consider, that actually put the same kind of consideration we put into all sorts of other things. We need thoughts that say, I'm actually considering how to help you grow. Do you think about your friends like that? We need actions that say, I'm not just going to wish that you would change. I'm going to bear some of your burden. What kind of hearts do we need to be able to do this? What kind of heart does it take to be these kind of friends? Because it's not easy. And we'll look at this Galatians passage again and then actually the next couple verses that come after it. And here's what he says. Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, any sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's where we ended before. But here's the next couple verses. For if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing... He deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. And we'll look at this, but, he, but here's what he says. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So if you're the friend that says, I want to help my friends bear their burdens. If you're the friend that says, man, I want good in my friend's life. I want to consider how they can grow. I want to consider how they can change. I want to consider where love needs to happen in their life. I've, I've, I'm thinking about them. I'm taking responsibility for them. And I, I want to bear their burdens. He says, if that's you, if that's the kind of friend you are, keep watch on yourself. Lest you too be tempted. See, he says, this isn't just easy. There's dangers that come along with wanting to help our friends. There's dangers that come along with wanting to help our friends through life. There's dangers that come along with wanting to help our friends grow, especially when it affects us. See, if you know somebody struggling with something from afar and you write them a check, you bared some of their burden. You go, hey, that was, that was not too bad. Or if you know somebody going through something and 
and it's affecting other people. And you go, hey, I, I can help out with that. But when it affects us, when the sin that they're caught in, when the sin that they're stuck in actually affects us, it's their impatience to us. It's their selfishness to us. It's their harshness to us. When the sin is against us, it becomes a little more difficult to bear that burden. And here's what he says. Look, if somebody is stuck in a sin, if somebody's caught in a sin, and you want to help them, be careful. Because you're going to be tempted. There's going to be things that arise in your heart as you say, I want to help. You're stuck in sin, and I want to help you. You're caught in sin, and I want to help you get out. He says, be careful. There's things that are going to come up in your heart that you're going to be tempted towards. And you know this. If you've ever tried to be this kind of friend, if you've ever tried to help people, or if you've been the person that friends were trying to help, you know a lot of times that doesn't go super smooth. A lot of times there's sin that comes up. You think you're there to help. But you end up being a jerk, being judgmental, being impatient, being annoyed, especially if the sin's against you. We're tempted. He says, this isn't easy. Be careful. We're tempted a lot of times. When people are going through difficult things and we want to help them through it, we're tempted to be harsh. We're tempted to be proud. This is why he says this. He says, here's one of the core temptations. If anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. See, look, if you want to begin to go help your friends, he says, be careful, lest you be tempted too. And here's one of the problems that may arise in your heart. You may begin to think that you are something when you're nothing. And he's not trying to cut people down and say you're nothing. He's just saying, we need to know our proper place. And if we begin to go to our friends and go, man, they are so messed up, let me go help them. Man, they are so caught in sin, but I, I will help them. Thank God I'm not like them and that I can help them. Thank God that I don't struggle with what they struggle with and I can help them. Man, I'm sure glad I'm not like that. I'm sure glad we aren't like that. I'm sure glad that we have figured out God's will for our lives and these sinners over here, but, but we will help them. Have you ever felt that from people? Maybe they were trying to help you, but you actually felt this and it didn't go anywhere, it didn't help. Or have you ever felt that arise in you? That you go, man, this person's stuck in sin. This person's caught in sin. And I'll help them. But really the desire to help is pride. And it starts to come out, and the people sense it, and they feel like, man, I don't know if you really love me, or you're just feeling like you're better than me. I don't know if you really care for me, and that's why you want me to change, or it's just that my sin is kind of annoying you, so you want me to change. I don't know if it's just that my life is making it harder for you, so you want me to change, or it's that you really care about me. This happens in marriage all the time. You may see something in your other, uh, in your spouse, and you, and and it's, it's true. They should change that area. But the reason you want them to change is because you're annoyed by them, you're bothered by them, 
And so what ends up happening is you may even try to have some sort of good conversation with them, but really the spirit that's coming out is this. You, you're thinking about how you are in a good place and they're not. So he says, look, this is dangerous. If you want to help people, the heart that you need, you gotta be careful because pride Pride and judgment and fine, I'll help you, I guess. That can stir up in us. And instead, the kind of heart that we need, he says at the beginning here, is if anyone's caught in a transgression, you should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, which is the opposite of pride. So spirit of gentleness is one that says, here's, here's what I want. I really, truly want to restore you. My heart isn't just that I want to correct you. My heart isn't, I just want to show you where you're wrong. My heart isn't just, I want you to see how you're caught in sin. Do you see how you're caught in sin? Do you see what sin is doing to you? Do you see the effects that that has on you and on me, by the way? Do you see what's happening there? That's not that. It's a heart of gentleness. It says, my heart for you is to restore you. My heart is to put back together what's broken. My heart is I actually care about you, not I care that you would stop because it's affecting me in some negative way. You're really a strain on my time. You're really a strain on my comfort. You're really a strain on my well-being and my emotional health. And so could you get uncaught from sin? It's I want to restore you. And there's a spirit of gentleness. My, uh, when I was a kid, my dad had this mousetrap. And um, it wasn't a traditional mousetrap. It was supposed to be this humane mousetrap. Supposed to be. And it had uh, this like sticky pad thing. So the mouse comes and he just kind of lands on the sticky. And you're supposed to just go, oh, hi, little mouse. And then just kind of put him away. And he goes out into the field and lives a happy life with Minnie and Mickey and whatever. But this was in the attic. And my dad was like, hey, we caught a mouse. Come on in. And went into the garage. And the mouse was stuck there. And my dad wasn't the most gentle person to this mouse. And so he grabbed the mouse and started to pull, and his skin's just like <laughs> ripping off. Like you can see his liver, and I don't know, I don't know. But you can see his like skin. It looks like he's getting like skinned off. And he, the mouse is like, ah! And I don't know if it made that noise, but I think it did. I was like 10, so. And then my dad said, okay, I need to do something else to unstick him. So he grabbed like a thing of motor oil and started pouring it on the mouse. So that, and the mouse then was like. And that has stuck in my head when I was reading this because he was trying to get the mouse uncaught, unstuck. But it wasn't gentle. And the mouse did not live happily ever after. He drowned and was skinned alive, and you know, it's like ISIS torture chamber. <laughs> and sometimes our friends probably feel like that from us. Or our spouses feel like that from us. I know mine does. That we say, hey, I want to help you get unstuck from sin. But the way that we do that isn't actually with a spirit of gentleness. Our heart isn't, I really want to restore you. I really want you to live safely into the woods with your friends. That's not really our heart. Our heart is, I want you unstuck because I actually don't want to bear the burdens that this is costing me. And so the way that we do it 
is not often with gentleness, but I think I'm something. I think I'm something, and let me come and help you out. And what our friends experience is tearing and oil on them and drowning. That's what they experience from us. And he says, if we want to be the kind of friends that help each other through life, it takes a spirit of gentleness that says, here's my heart. It really is for your good. I really want to restore you. I really want you to experience your life put back together. That's what I want for you. He says, this is the kind of heart that we need. And where that comes from, the place that that comes from is this. He says, let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor for each one will have to bear his own load. And he said, doing all of this fulfills the law of Christ. Now here's what he's saying. He says, look, you need to have an honest reflection. That's what testing your own work is. Have an honest reflection about your own life. Have an honest, you may think you're something, but really you're nothing. You need to test your own work, which is this, before God. Before God, are, do you know who you are before God? Do you look at your own work, your own life, your own load, your own sin? Do you look at that in yourself and know that you, you shouldn't be just comparing yourself to the other person, but are you testing, hey, how, how is it that my load isn't crushing me? Are you testing your own life and going, how is it that I'm able to stand in any way? How is it that I'm not condemned? How is it that I haven't been crushed by my sin? How is it that I haven't been lost and, and veered off course? How is it that my load that's on me isn't crushing me? He says, you have to test your own life. Look at your own life, which means this. It's honest reflection on how Jesus has been to us. He says, all of this is fulfilling the law of Christ. All of this action, this bearing one another's burdens and this uh, desire to restore someone in gentleness, all of this fulfills what Christ did and what Christ taught. Because if we have an honest reflection on our own life, if we actually know the nothing that's there, if we actually are able to see our own load before God, if we're actually able to do that, and we see what is this law of Christ, how was it that Jesus was to me, that then he's asking me to be to others, if we see him, we look at Jesus and see that his heart towards us when he sees us in sin is to restore us. We see that his heart towards us, even if we are the kind of friends that have actually drowned our friends in oil and torn them apart, if we're those kind of friends, Jesus' heart towards us, even in that sin, is, hey, that's a load you're carrying. And I want to lift that. Jesus' heart towards us in our sin is gentleness because he wants to restore us. Do you know how good God is that he doesn't look at our sin and just say, man, I hope you can get out of that or how dare you do that, but his heart is gentleness that desires to restore us. This is amazing in that Jesus on the cross, you know, Jesus on the cross when he is bearing the Bible says he is bearing the weight of our sin. The weight of our sin was upon him. 
And in that moment, he wasn't on the cross saying, he wasn't on the cross saying, how dare you do this to me? You're so stuck in sin. How how could you put me here? On the cross, in that moment, what does he do? Is he is bearing the weight of sin. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Jesus' heart, even as he's bearing the weight of sin, even as it's coming against him and he's feeling the full weight of it, is, I want to restore you. It's gentleness, even as he's being crushed. It's a heart to restore, even as the load of sin is bearing down on him. See, if we know that that's true of us, if we test our own work, if we understand this law of Christ and how he's lived that out to us, how he has bore our sin, how his spirit to us is to restore us in gentleness, not to condemn us. If we understand that that's how he is to us, do you know that that's how he is to you? Then that begins to flow out of us. We begin to say, when someone saw my sin, they were gentle, and they wanted to restore me, and they wanted good for me, and they took the weight on themselves, and so I want that for you. We begin to let that flow out of us, and when that happens, we become a kind of community where, as Hebrews said, there's love and there's good deeds flowing out of it. Imagine being in a community where the people around you said, I'm considering how to let you become the person God's calling you to be. And when you sin, I'm not going to just be bothered by it and annoyed by it. I'm going to actually pick up the weight so it doesn't crush you. And my spirit towards you is going to be gentleness and to see you restored and to see you find life as Jesus has for me. See, that's the kind of community that Jesus calls us to be. That's the kind of friends he calls us to be. And if we're dropped into that kind of community, where the people around us are those kind of friends. Imagine what we actually become. Imagine not just one person's life, but a whole community's life that is being spurred on towards love and good deeds as we see how Jesus has been to us. When we take communion, that's what we remember. We remember that Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed on the cross, bearing the weight of our sin, that in gentleness he forgives us, and he seeks to restore us and bring life to us. He doesn't want sin to crush us. He took the weight of it on the cross. And that's what we remember. So would you pray with me as we end our time and we take communion and sing songs. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you that you want this kind of community for us. That you don't just uh, desire that our sin would be known and pointed out, but you actually want to pick up the weight of that by putting us in a community that cares, that has the right thoughts to us and the right actions to us and the right heart towards us. I pray, Father, that you would help us to be this kind of community to one another. And that as a result of that, love and good would flow out of this community, that we would show people more accurately and truly who you are. So help us now as we take communion and pray and sing that you would fill our hearts with these truths. Help us to remember what you've done for us. In your name, Jesus, we pray.